For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and making their treasuries full. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. When justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous, but a terror to evildoers. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, when Patrick first asked me if I would be willing to bring the message today, I happily agreed until I saw the topic um, that we would be studying justice, and uh, that didn't sound appealing to me at all, actually. And then, um, and then I began looking at the passages because he says, go after all the passages about justice in Proverbs. Well, it turns out there's a lot of passages in Proverbs about justice that doesn't mention the word justice. And so there's a lot of stuff in there. And so I began to stress a little bit, and then I started looking at the other passages about justice in the Old Testament, and the Psalms, and the prophets, and all those, and then also looked into the New Testament, and I thought, this is huge, yikes. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And then after reflecting on those passages and then kind of considering the condition that our country's in right now and some of the injustices all around the world and all that's happening to us, I felt like a possum trying to cross the interstate at midnight. It just, <laughs> it's, it's a lot here. So um, I could spend a great deal of our time actually speaking about what current events are happening because daily we're being barraged by injustices that people are suffering about folks who are, who are touting social justice and um, whether you're just doing it because you want equal, um, equal opportunity under the law or equal results um, under the law. Uh, that battle is going on and people are wanting to respond to the heart cries of the poor, of those who are, are less fortunate, to those who are really struggling to make ends meet. Um, we could talk about the Supreme Court feeling of uh, replacement of John Roberts. We could talk about racial injustice. We could talk about so many aspects that we're getting hit with daily, but then you know all that, right? <laughs> um, that's not news. That's not anything that we need to talk about. And besides, my mom reminded me, actually warned me, that I need to be prompt and brief. So, <laughs> yes, thank the Lord for my mom, right? <laughs> um, so I'm going to go ahead and disappoint you and say I'm not going to address any of those things. Um, and yet at the same time, I'm going to address those things more, um, more intimately. Because before you assume that I'm sidestepping all of those controversial and daily issues that we're struggling with and that we're inundated with, I would like to say that the problem with injustice and justice in the world happen, begins with individuals begins with us. And if we, as believers in Christ, those who are redeemed, if we don't understand justice, 
If we're not living out of understanding what justice is, and if we don't value it, there's no way that our world can do that. So above all people, we should understand justice because of who God is. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of the word justice, but the first thing that flies into my head is Superman. (laughs) Because he fights for truth, justice, and the American way, right? Well, he used to. Um, In in the old days, um, they kind of dropped the American way part because of all the stuff that's going on. But nonetheless, I think Superman is awesome. He he started, he was one of the founding members of the Justice League, and... um, and I really like him because he has these superpowers and, and we want someone that's sturdy to fight for us, right? Well, I know Batman's a big rage nowadays, but we know that Batman's only superpower is he's rich. <laughs> and we also know that, um, that his only cleverness comes from Alfred, who makes all the gadgets that he uses. And So nonetheless, I don't mean to really beat up super, uh, Batman, but nonetheless, Superman's the dude. And Superman is... is um, originally, if you read anything about how he came to be, is that he has some roots in Christianity. He has some roots in being a figure of, of Christ, of being the, the, uh, the being from another planet that comes and is, takes on our looks, is like one of us, but has supernatural powers and has this real sense within him of, of justice and of fighting for truth and, and all that. But it comes from a heart that is kind of wild about people. He has to love people to want to rescue them all the time because he never pats himself on the back about it. Um, he's willing to, to put his, his life and all of his superpowers into action in order to rescue those that, that he cares about, which we do know that Lois Lane was his special one. But, the, um, but he cares about the other folks too, but somehow when Lois Lane gets in trouble, all, everything else stops. There are no other troubles in the world. But, um, and we all have that idea of Superman. But you know, not to leave it with Superman, just a couple of years later, Wonder Woman was invented. And uh, Wonder Woman, like Superman, has supernatural powers, which is really cool. But she also has gadgets, like Batman. So she is kind of the, the ultimate superhero here, and she brings um, into this amazing uh, story of how she engages with, with warfare. She was created as a character um, within the World War in order to um, show what, what a real heroine looks like and what a real hero looks like that can come in and rescue us when we're at our lowest point and with a real clear understanding of what justice really is. Um, and sometimes it takes people from the outside to speak into the inside before we can really understand what justice is. Well, when I was a kid, Superman wasn't the only person that, that I looked up to. Um, well, he was a cartoon mostly when I was a kid, and um, there was a television show and stuff. But nonetheless, is, um, the real person that, that taught me a lot about justice was my maternal granddad. Um, he was a quiet man, very... Um, willing to do anything for anyone. He was a prankster too, so he was mischievous in his quietness. But nonetheless is that he worked hard. He was a sharecropper. Um, He did his best to provide for his family. Um, All through his life he worked hard trying to provide for his four kids and his wife, and he was always helping. He was involved in the church. He helped build the, the, the local church that he attended. And his faith seemed rich and deep and, to me, mysterious because he never really spoke a lot about it. But, he, but you could see it, and his faith was real. And 
the one thing that troubled my granddad more than any was when he looked out at the world and he saw how people were doing so much better than him. When he was trying his doggondest to keep his head above water and to work hard and to make it work, and he was, he was living right in, in his view and in the view of actually most of us. Um, he was a righteous man in, in that, but at the same time, he looked around him and he saw people who were living in just, just horribly, just making selfish decisions left and right, and yet somehow they were the ones that seemed to be getting favored. So when you first came in, you, start, you heard the song by Brad Paisley performing it in this particular rendition of Farther Along. Well, this was my granddad's favorite hymn. And I never really understood that until after he passed away, and I began to really engage the hymn and see what the words are. And it really fit well with who he is. The words, the lyrics, in case you missed them, were tempted and tried. We were oft made to wonder why it should be thus all the day long. While there are others living about us, never molested, though in the wrong. When death has come and taken our loved ones, it leaves our homes so lonely and drear. And then we wonder why others prosper, living so wicked year after year. When we see Jesus coming in glory, when he comes down from his home in the sky, then we shall meet him in that bright mansion. We'll understand it all by and by. Farther along, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother and sister. Live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. The hymn writer here is really wrestling with what, with what he's seeing in the world. Well, he wasn't the only one. If you look back in the Old Testament, that, that wrestling happens in the Psalms, Psalm 73 and some other areas. But, but one particular one was when, Isaiah, when I'm sorry, Jeremiah was wrestling with it in Jeremiah chapter 12. And here, Jeremiah is asking the question of God, why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? That's a great question. Jeremiah was seeing his whole world collapsing, his whole country collapsing, and he saw enemies coming in who were horrible enemies. They were, they were vicious and ruthless in the way that they treated people when they moved into areas and conquered them. And Jeremiah was a witness to all of this savagery that was going on, and he could not understand for the life of him, how is this even possible when your people are the ones that are struggling all the time, and these other folks seem to be the strong ones. They seem to be the one having all the advantage. And God answers him um, in that chapter, and I'll let you read that for yourselves, but he gets down to this, fine, this final word, is that God says, but if any nation does not listen, I will completely uproot and destroy it. He's saying, I'm going to uproot all this, yet I will still have compassion. Wow. Why? That doesn't make sense. Why, why God would have compassion. Notice that justice, in God's view, is linked to compassion. Jesus talked a lot about injustice as well. Um, one of the stories that he gave us was Lazarus, the, the beggar, and the rich man. When Lazarus was begging food from the rich man's table and the rich man didn't give him anything. And then um, the, the rich man had everything he needed. He ate the most sumptuous affairs. And then they both end up dying and meeting their end. And we, Jesus tells us about uh, Lazarus being ushered into heaven where he is now the rich guy. He is the guy who is being completely provided for. All of his pain and sorrow are gone. He will never beg again. 
And then he gives us the plight of the rich man who did not end up in heaven, who ended up in, a, in the dark place where God's presence has been uh, withheld and where Satan's presence is. And from that place of hell, this, um, this wicked man in this story cries out to Lazarus, please let Lazarus, because he knew Lazarus was there, and he says, please let Lazarus just send me a drop of water, just a little bit to, for my parched tongue. And Jesus explained, there is such a great gulf between you is that the two will never be, ever, ever be again together. That's huge. Jesus is a just God. Jesus, being Yahweh in the flesh, shows us exactly what God is like. So Yahweh answers these questions. And other questions come up too, like in Psalm 130, when, um, Lord, if you counted our transgressions, who could stand? Who among us would be able to stand in your presence? When the holy God of the universe sits on his throne as our judge, he's not going to be easily swayed. In fact, he will not be swayed at all. Um, but before we go there, what, what do we do with injustice? Is that when I see injustice, especially if it's done to me, but if I see injustice done to other people, sometimes that bothers me and sometimes I'm blind to it. But when I see that, I want to make things right. If somebody does something wrong to me, I want to make them pay. And sometimes that's subtle, and sometimes that is not so subtle. Um, and you do the same thing, so don't look at me like I'm the big sinning preacher here. Um, you guys are too. Um, the point is, is you may not know you're doing it, like I don't know half the time. Um, but I long, something inside of me longs that, some, that it should be made right. And so if it's not made right, then sometimes I venture out to try to take those actions myself. If nobody else is going to fix this, then I'm going to step in there and fix it myself. I'm going to make sure they pay for this. I'm going to make sure that this is done. I want you to take a look at um, a clip from Longmire, a movie called Longmire, and um, see what happens when we try to take justice into our own hands, or better yet, vengeance into our own hands. Nina? Sheriff, where you been? You just announced a winner. I'm sorry. I've been a little preoccupied looking into the murder of Ben Mallory. I think you knew him. At least you knew his father back in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. <laughs> That's where I won my crown. That was the best night of my life. I was a young woman with so much to be proud of. Something worth passing on to my daughters one day. But you never had children, did you? I thought it was just bad luck. But a year ago, I had a hernia operation. During the procedure, they found I'd been sterilized. Warren Mallory was the only doctor who'd ever operated on me, an appendectomy. I was 16. You took away your ability to have children. So I took his sons. I just. I wanted Orrin Mallory to 
feel the pain he caused. I wanted him to know what it was like to have all your dreams for the future taken away by a stranger. I thought I would feel peace when I got my revenge. I was wrong. I... I feel emptier than before. It's a powerful clip here that shows just a little bit of how horrible injustices are and how it goes completely awry when we try to provide our own vengeance or our own justice. Well, vigilantism is not is not justice. God says that vengeance is his. And having vigilante justice in our world is really not helpful. And why is that? Primarily because the vigilantism comes, it's when our self-righteousness blooms into becoming the lawgiver and the judge. When we become so self-righteous because we believe that we have been wronged, we are vicious and nothing can stop us. If you've ever felt right about something, then you feel justified in everything you do, regardless of if it's over the top. And then there is no price that's high enough to actually pay it. It's empty. And yet we keep extracting more and more from folks. We keep demanding of them not, not a just punishment, not an eye for an eye. We talk about an eye for your entire family's eyes. We go way out of bounds. And why is that? Because in our darkness, in our hearts, is that we're not only wired to function out of a place of justice, we're also, um, we're also bent towards ourselves. And there's a real darkness inside of all of us. I don't know about you, but sometimes my own darkness scares me. I don't have any power over it quite often. Maybe I don't ever, and, and God just is the one who has total power over it, I'm sure. But nonetheless, is it, it gets crazy when I set myself up as both the one who determines the laws that people should live by, and I also judge them with whether or not they, they live by those laws. The problem with that is that everybody has a different view of what those laws should be, right? If there is no eternity, if there is no God, there are no consequences that are true. There's only conflict. And we're at a place now in our culture and maybe even in our own hearts where we, we're living like there is no God. Not only are we living like there is no God, we're also living as if there is no judge that we will face one day who will hold all of us accountable for everything we have ever done. Yes, this is Grace Community Church. Um, and yes, we will face the final judgment of a righteous God but the only, true, the only real source of, of justice is from the holy love of Yahweh. Justice is what comes out of love. Without love, there is no justice. And without justice, there is no love. It, justice is, is entangled in that. But understand here is that God says that he loves, he loves justice. And he says that in um, Isaiah 61, for I, Yahweh, love justice. He says um, 
in other areas that he is a God of justice in Isaiah 30, that he is a God, he is Yahweh, the God of justice. Um, it matters to him how we're living. It matters to him what we're doing. And we think that we might be getting away with things. But we're not. Because there has not been one sin on this planet that will not be punished in some way or another. That's that's a problem. Because none of us could stand underneath that kind of wrath and judgment of God. Therefore, God came in the form of a man. And he met justice. Since God is love, then we ought to love one another. And we ought to extend that, same, that justice of love. But guys, if, if we are not understanding that there is a God who loves holiness and that is holy, a God who longs to be with us, a God who longs to be gracious to us and have relationship with us. He wants us so close that he, said, he, he describes it as being that he is in us and we are in him. I am in Christ and Christ is in me. The Holy Spirit is in me and I'm in the Holy Spirit. I'm in the body of Christ and the body of Christ in, in a sense is in me. We're all part of that body if we belong to Jesus. So the true justice is always beautiful and endless and refreshing because it always comes from love. But justice always demands a verdict and we will all face him. So if, if you're one, or if we, are, if we have no belief in, in God at all, and we don't, or we don't fear Him, it's pretty much the same result, is that we can come emboldened to do as we please without any thought or concern about the consequences because we really do believe that we're going to be okay. Brothers and sisters, we must repent. And if we suppose that God is okay with our sin... Because of the gospel, we believe in Jesus, that he died for our sins, and we understand grace and all that stuff. And, and so now we believe that, okay, well, I can sin, and I'm fine, and God is, God's cool with that. He just gives me a little wink and a nod. He's like, I get it. You're human. I got this covered. Cheap grace is not grace at all because we don't understand the sacrifice that God himself had to make on our behalf. And what happens for someone who trusts Jesus is that we are transformed by His amazing grace. Inside, we become new creatures. And that new creature that's inside of us actually loves God. And we don't want to do things. It grieves us when we do things that, that hurt our God who died for us. A God who, who loves us so much is that He paid for our justice. Some of us suppose... Well, some of us are just confident in our own righteousness. We believe, you know, I'm, I'm good, and I, I'm, I'm so good, in fact, and I don't really worry about it, because when I get before God, He's a just God, I'll just make my case, and I'm, you know, I'll be able to convince Him that, you know, this was, that was kind of a ridiculous rule, and, and I was able to do this, and you're not being fair about this. And so we think that somehow God is going to have an audience with us where we're going to be able to speak. That is not the God that's described in Scriptures where our mouths will be shut. And he will do the talking because he is the judge and we are not. He is the lawgiver and we are not. And if we are that confident in our own righteousness, believing that we are living right and that somehow our goodness is going to put us in a favorable position with, with God, we are in a very dangerous position 
It is dangerous to stand up against a holy God. It is dangerous to diminish his holiness. And let me assure you, brothers and sisters, from his own word, that God will not be trifled with. He will not be manipulated. You and I can manipulate everybody around us. We can even fool ourselves. We can even reason ourselves into justifying ourselves for stuff. But God, the just God of the universe, will not. He will not be manipulated. He sees right through it. And his commandment in Matthew 5, 48, through Jesus, Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. If you want relationship with God, if you want to be in God and God in you, then you're going to have to be perfect. Otherwise, you would be bringing your sin into the presence of God and polluting Him. Bringing your sin into a holy God would make Him unholy. So He can't just say it's okay. And so something has to happen. Justice has to happen. Now, you may not be any of the folks that I just described. You might be one who's just plain discouraged over your sin. You're just tired of fighting, and it just seems like you're never going to get yourself out of this hole. And no matter what you do, it's horrible. Is that you can't justify yourself, because even if I were to live right from this day forward, just make up my mind that I'm going to follow the commandments from this day forward and live by the book and keep all the laws, I still have all my past to deal with. I still have that sin to deal with. And it's not even possible for me to keep the law perfectly. If it were, there would be no need for Jesus to come and do anything for us. If we only understood how great our Father's mercy is towards us, then we would know He loves us even when we fail. And so if you're one who is discouraged about your sin and about your times of failure, then you need to repent too. Because that means that you're not trusting in the righteousness of God. You're not trusting that what Jesus did was enough. And that, brothers and sisters, is a sin. So wallowing in your sin and feeling less than, that's not the solution either. Because justice has been completely satisfied through the work of Jesus. We say that justice is blind. And so you've seen the statue, right, of Lady Justice who has the blindfold and she's she's got the, the scales and so she's measuring out justice. The reason that we say that justice is blind is not because it turns a blind eye towards our, our, our evil, but because what's going to be measured is going to be measured accurately regardless of who we are, regardless of our status, regardless of our righteousness, regardless of our unrighteousness. When it comes to the law, we will be measured by the, by the law of perfection. And I've asked you before, how's that going? And you laughed at me. Um, But the truth is that we're serving a very perfect God. I want you to hear me on this. Because God, because of if God were simply to extend mercy without justice, he would become tainted with sin. So don't bank on your goodness or God's mercy apart from his justice. You're in dangerous territory. That's when we live in the wrong places. Um, Philip Yancey said it like this. He said, at Calvary, God accepted his own unbreakable terms of justice. So God faced justice, his own justice, on our behalf. This past week on Thursday, the, um, the college and young adult 
uh, folks came over to the house like they do on every last Thursday of the month and first Thursday of the month. Um, and on the last Thursday of the month, everybody brings their, their instruments, and so we, we sing songs and we talk about whatever comes up. And, and this past week, um, one of the songs that they wanted to sing and that we were led in by, by one of our, our musicians is Beautiful Scandalous Night. I want you to listen to the words of this. It's probably familiar to you, but I want you to listen. Go on up to the mountain of mercy. To the crimson perpetual tide, kneel down on the shore, be thirsty no more, go under and be purified. Follow Christ to the holy mountain, sinner sorry and wrecked by the fall. Cleanse your heart and your soul in the fountain that flows, for you and for me and for all. On the hillside you will be delivered, at the foot of the cross justified, and if your spirit restored and your spirit restored by the river that pours from our blessed Savior's side. At that wonderful, tragic, mysterious tree, on that beautiful, scandalous night, you and me were atoned by his blood and forever washed white on that beautiful, scandalous light night. That's, that's pretty powerful because when we start thinking about how... Um, how scandalous the cross is, that means that some of us have been abused. Some of us are in abuse right now, are being abused right now in some way or another. Some of us know what it's like to be real victims, and some of us just feel like we're victims all the time, even though we're not. (laughs) Um, But sometimes when that perpetrator, the one who has brought an injustice against you, You really want restitution. You really want that person to pay. And that's a problem. Because the same Jesus that has redeemed you can redeem that person too. You know what that means? That means that the ones who have abused you might be the very first ones meeting you when you end up in heaven. That's hard for some people to the point that they say, if that person's in heaven, I don't want to go. If Jesus can love that person and transform that kind of person, then I don't want anything to do with Jesus. And friends, that's ridiculous. (laughs) That means that we serve this amazing Savior. If he can accept my sin, he can certainly accept yours. Jonathan Edwards says, One must see the beauty of holiness to appreciate the hatefulness of sin and thus be convinced of the justice of of divine punishment and our inability to make restitution. And the cross is where holy justice meets holy mercy in a spectacular and unexpected way that causes God's people to dance in His perfect love. Charles Spurgeon, I knew you knew I wasn't going to get past him, right? Because I always mention Charles Spurgeon in my sermons. It wouldn't be my sermon if it didn't. Um, Charles Spurgeon is one of my best mentors. I I love the guy. I can't wait to spend some time with him on the other side. But um, he says this, God, in his infinite mercy, has devised a way by which justice can be satisfied, yet mercy can be triumphant. Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the Father, took upon himself the form of a man and offered unto divine justice that which was accepted as an equivalent for our punishment due to all his people. Now let us find solace 
in the finished work of our Lord Jesus. Everything is fully done. Justice demands no more. If you know anything about justice, if, if you know anything about Spurgeon, by the way, I don't know that you know this, but Spurgeon's writings and sermons were, were banned here in, the, here in North Carolina. They had book burnings of Spurgeon's sermons here um, because of his cry out for justice in his preaching the gospel. But Spurgeon, Spurgeon did more than just talk about it, just like sometimes we're talking about it this morning. But he did more than that. He went beyond that. Spurgeon would walk through the city streets and, and gutters and, and slums of... Um, of London, and he would interact with people who were prostitutes and were sick, the poor, the wretched, the, the dirty, the ones that honestly he had to hold his nose as he describes it as he walked through the stench and his heart bled because he saw that justice was not being done to these people. He showed justice and his love for justice through his compassion. Justice is completely satisfied for those who trust Jesus. That is true. But there is a call for that. God calls us to do something. In fact, David Wilkerson, I don't know if you know him or not. You, if you're not like old like me, then you, don't, you definitely don't know him. He, there was a movie and a book written um, about him in the late 70s, and it was called The Cross and the Switchblade. David Wilkerson was a street thug, and... Uh, he came to the saving knowledge of Christ and became this amazing evangelist. And he's still working out there for the Lord. And um, the effects of his ministry are still, uh, are still rippling through time. And, um, and he said this, The law can't condemn you because Christ fulfilled the law. Divine justice can't condemn you because Christ sanctified all of God's justice. No sin can condemn you. Because Christ is greater than your conscience. And all sins are under his blood. So that you have been forg completely forgiven, leaving nothing to condemn you. If we have been justified by Jesus, then that means that we are shielded by the blood of Christ. God's still going to judge us according to our works. But if we have the record of Christ because that's the record we trust and we abandon our own record and we say, we agree with you, burn that. <laughs> I abandon all of my goodness and trust what Jesus did is enough. That is the righteousness and foundation that we'll have to enter into heaven. There is no other. And it is pretty scandalous that people like us can get into heaven because we are not very righteous people when it comes down to it as far as our actions or our thoughts or how we talk. Or how we treat each other. I know that mine is, I know that I'm a broken guy that's messed up and has a lot of brokenness in his life. Um, but there is a God who takes care of us by dying for us and shielding us because all of the wrath that God has towards my sin and your sin has been poured out on his son Jesus. Jesus has absorbed it all. And so please see that if you're not under the blood of Christ, you're in danger. Because there is no other hope for you. Because Jesus is the only one that can accredit you with his perfectness. Because he's the one who obeyed the law perfectly on our behalf. If you are not there, you are living in danger. And I would be amiss, this church would be amiss if we didn't say that, at least from time to time, to let you know that. And I want to invite you to understand who Jesus is. 
I want to invite you to come under that protective care of Christ. Because his is the only one. And once you're under there, Satan can taunt you. He can accuse you. He can, he can make your life hell. Satan can just pour out all manner of evil against you. But he cannot damn you. He cannot condemn you. He can't even touch your soul. So we must repent of our discouragement over our sins. Because... If we don't, then we're rejecting this God of justice that what he did is enough. Benjamin Franklin, when he talks about um, us standing together for justice, because if I am experiencing justice inside, if I understand the justice of Jesus in my life, and you understand the justice of Jesus in your life, there's something compelling us inside so that we want to stand for justice together in a very broken world and culture and area. And how do we do that? I have no idea. Um, how do we do that? Well, listen to this. Benjamin Franklin said, Justice will not be served until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are. So if you're in a good place and you're okay, we will never reach a place of... Justice will never be done as long as we're comfortable with where we are if we're not concerned about those who are suffering injustices. Robert F. Kennedy said this, Few will have the greatness to bend history itself, but each of us can work to change a small portion of events. It is from this numberless, diverse acts of courage and belief that human history is shaped. Each time a man stands up for, for another or to improve the lot of another or strikes out against injustice, he sends forth a tiny ripple of hope. And crossing each other from a million different centers of energy and daring those ripples build a current which can sweep down the mightiest walls of oppression and resistance. Martin Luther King said this, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Wise words. But sometimes I don't think, I think we just go right past Sometimes I think we close our eyes to it and we don't think if it's not affecting me, then I don't have a stake in this. Guys, does that sound like Jesus? It doesn't, does it? Because he came here, he's not responsible for our sin. We are. And yet he entered our sin in order to bring us justice for him to, to absorb the righteous condemnation that, that we all deserve. So this message is not about activism. I don't know that that's the answer, but this is a call to activate. It is a call to communicate. It is a call to open and invite your heart and your home to people that you wouldn't normally do. It is a call for you to care about people that you would normally ignore, the people that you pretend you don't see when they're looking at you. Mother Teresa said this, I see God in every human being. When I wash the leper's wounds... I feel I am nursing the Lord himself. Is it not a beautiful experience? Yes. Brendan Manning says, Compassion is the spirituality of justice. God is calling us that where justice meets love, it produces compassion. It produces us to put our lives on the line. For us to use our gifts, our talents, our superpowers. To stand for those who can't be stood with. 
And there are so many. And we can go across the spectrum of the different people groups all over the world that are experiencing injustice. Some groups are experiencing a good bit of freedom in some areas. In other, in other areas, they're murdered for, their, for who they are or what, or what they've gone through. It's not even. And so we want that justice to happen. Amos talks about let justice flow down from heaven and, and flood the land. Let there be this ever-moving movement of God's justice because justice is always an expression of God's love. Join me now as we close our eyes and just spend a couple of minutes in quiet uh, reflecting on some of these. I, I just want to um, throw out a couple of things I'd like for you to pray for as, you, as you're silent. Consider areas in your life where you are being called to repent right now. I want to encourage you to repent boldly based on the love and finished work of Jesus and His righteousness, not your ability to fix or change your life. And while you're in this area of thinking about repentance and very things, sins and, and dark thoughts and actions that we have done and that we are continuing to do and that we're probably going to continue doing in some degree or another or planning to do, I pray in Jesus' name that you will receive the good news and enjoy the freedom of being justified by Yahweh because we will never be the same when we do. Did you feel the mountains tremble? Did you hear the oceans roar when the people rose to sing of Jesus Christ, the risen Lord? Did you feel the people tremble? Did you hear the singers roar when the lost began to sing of Jesus Christ, the saving one? Do you feel the darkness tremble when all the saints join in one song and all the streams flow as one river to wash away our brokenness? Abba, Father, Yahweh, our great God, you are moving like a mighty river through the nations. Your justice will not be ignored. You have not abandoned us. You will make right all that is wrong according to your standards and not ours. We pray, Father, that you would open our hearts so that we can receive the beauty and glory of the gospel through the death, through the life and death and resurrection of your Son. Let us open up the doors of our hearts and our homes and our lives so that the music of the gospel resounds with singing and that we can sing songs of joy about your justice. Make us, Father, dancers who dance upon injustice. Abba, Father, our Redeemer, Jesus, and our Counselor, Guide, Holy Spirit, we pray that you transform us individually and collectively as your people to be those very dancers. Father, that we will celebrate your justice and bring good news and joy to those who are in injustice. I pray that when we hear the word justice, Lord, that our minds would be turned to the justice that you achieved for us through your life and death and resurrection. I pray that you are our real Superman. 
I pray that we would immediately feel the freedom and power provided by your Holy Spirit so that we can leap into action and being propelled by our love and injustice of a holy God who loves people like us.